Um, we're in the middle of a series of three talks. I was finishing off last week with the um, talking about prayer, and we're moving on to talk about how we, we see vision move to reality. Prayer is very much about us talking to God about the things we'd love to see, but how do we see that become reality? What do we need to do in the process? And we're going to look very quickly at an example this week from the Bible. And then next week, we're going to talk specifically about us and the situation that we're in and what we as City Church can do, trying to follow the, the kind of biblical pattern. So we're going back a long way in the story of the Bible. We're going back to the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt. And I'm going to pick out some, um, some points in that story to try and illustrate what we're talking about. The first one is this, in Exodus chapter 3. God had appeared to, to Moses and said, look, I want you to go and, and rescue my people. They've been there for hundreds of years, and it's time for them to, to come out. God uh, was, he had some trouble with Moses. Moses didn't really uh, want to go, to be honest. Um, uh, Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I'll be with you. And this is the sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain, the very place where they were. So he was giving them, God was giving them a purpose and a vision, really. What are we going to do? We're going to worship we're aiming to be a people who worship. The, the Israelites were only defined by their slavery. They weren't defined by anything to do with being God's people. They didn't really have a very strong concept of God. So God, right at the beginning, was giving them a strong concept of who they would be. If we move on to Exodus 15. So most of you know the, the story. There are all these kind of awful plagues that went on. And finally, there was the Passover Firstborn in every family that wasn't protected by the blood that they took from the lambs and painted on their doorposts. Firstborn in the family died. So there was dreadful, dreadful grief in Egypt. And God's people left. When they left, they went through the, the Red Sea. The water came in and finished off Pharaoh and his army. And this was the, the song of deliverance, really, that, that they sung. Um, sung by Miriam. Uh, where are we? Verse 1, chapter 15. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He's hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. And remember, at that time, just think about the Israelites' concept of God. They didn't really have a very strong concept of God at all, and most of what they'd seen was God dealing with, with the difficulties that they were in, namely the Egyptians, and bringing judgment on the Egyptians. There wasn't really a concept for them of worship yet, but that was the reason that God was delivering them. So we go on to the end of, of that song, verse 17. Um, hopefully, if I find the, the right bit, 17 to 18, yes. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. So that's, that's God's people. The place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling. In other words, God, you are bringing us from where we were to be with you in the place where you live. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. 
So there's a change there of the, the type of relationship that they had with, with God. Moving on quickly, worship was, was clearly something that they, they wanted to do. But um, Moses went up the mountain, excuse me, <coughs> don't cough, you're deaf and thousands. Um, Moses went up the mountain, um, he met with God, God was uh, um, communicating all kinds of stuff to him. Meanwhile, the Israelites were getting really, uh, <laughs> getting really bored, they wanted a bit more action. So they, they asked Aaron to, um, to create something, and they created something to worship. But it's interesting, what they created to worship, they couldn't, they, they didn't have it really to worship the one who created them. So they in turn created something. And what they fashioned it out of was gold earrings that they had. Much later on in their story, gold earrings were quite a symbol of their slavery. Excuse me, I'm going to cough again. <coughs> quite a symbol of slavery when people uh, wanted to remain uh, a part of a, a family that they served, then uh, they'd have their ear pierced. And I, I don't know whether it had the same symbolism then, but they took something that had some relationship to their servitude and they made a God out of that, a God that they could control rather than one who was giving them freedom. Um, with the golden calf exercise, uh, the Lord said to Moses, look, I've specific, oh no, that's the that's the wrong one. Here we go. Um, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what's happened to this fellow Moses who's brought us here out of the land of Egypt. They still did not have a strong focus on God. But everything seemed to change. Just a few chapters later, when Moses had reappeared, he had given the people the blueprint, really, for this beautiful place of worship where it was going to be a focus for them as a people. Up until then, they hadn't had a focus other than their slavery, other than the thing which was a negative for them. But now they were able to focus in on God, both physically and spiritually. So they had an offering to, to show gratitude and to show honor toward uh, the Lord. This is what happened. Um, uh, Moses summoned the, the craftsmen, gave them the materials, and finally the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts from the sanctuary. We have enough. It's an incredible thing because this sanctuary was absolutely lavish and yet the people had already brought enough. Clearly, they were beginning to understand that to move from their vision into reality, they needed to give themselves. They gave physically, but they gave themselves as well. They gave their allegiance. Lastly, uh, right at the end of, of Exodus, because there'd been such a change in the hearts of the people and because through the things that they'd gone through, they'd begun to understand something of, of God. God really did come and dwell with them in a very, very specific way. Let me read this last bit of the book of Exodus. Um, and I'm finishing with this. Where are we? If I find the right verse. Uh, the cloud covered the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled 
the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. It wasn't just a lot of sparkly lights and, uh, I mean, we've got sparkly lights here in the, the studio, but <laughs> it wasn't sparkly lights, it wasn't smoke and, and kind of atmospheric feeling. It was a real sense that God had moved from heaven and had come to, to be on earth in this place that the Israelite people had given into in order to happen. There's a process there, and I... You need to go back and uh, look at that and do the work yourselves and see how that might apply to us. But next week, we'll look specifically at some of the things that we can do in response to the question, how do we turn our vision into reality?